Hello, welcome to Easy Crypto with Nimic. Nimic makes crypto easy to use for everybody, and we have this series to explain more about it. I am your host, Richie, and this time we are going to be talking about Nimic 2.0 and the next steps. Here I am with Philip, a technical lead of the team, and also with Sebastian Ditel, also known as Basti, <laughs> a blockchain developer of the team. So guys, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thanks so, for having us. <laughs> thanks. Uh, so what is Nimic 2.0 for people that are just like getting to know about this? You want to go ahead? Sure. Uh, Nimic 2.0 is uh, our new version of our blockchain protocol. And the the primary thing that it introduces is it, it switches, uh, switches the protocol from a proof of work protocol to a proof of stake protocol. So we're introducing staking. Uh, and that has a bunch of advantages. So first of all, um, proof of stake is much more energy efficient than proof of work is. So the, the, the blockchain protocol is going to use a lot less energy, <coughs> be much more uh, green and environmentally friend friendly, uh, energy efficient. And uh, so that's one of the big advantages of switching to proof of stake. Generally, uh, proof of stake with uh, is not only more energy efficient, but also a lot more efficient overall. So we can get uh, better throughput, better TPS, better performance of the chain by moving from a proof of work to a proof of stake model. Um, uh, but also staking is going to allow users of the chain to you know, um, use their coins in order to secure the network, stake them for a validator who then uh, <coughs> uh, can use the stake to to uh, vote on blocks and to secure the network process transactions and uh, stakers are going to be able to earn uh, rewards by by participating in this staking mechanism um, yeah so those I think the, are the primary advantages and the primary new features that we are going to be introducing with a, with a 2.0 chain yeah, to add to that uh, just a little bit, uh, like one of the interesting parts about being able to stake for a validator is that formerly in proof of work, you actually had to run a miner yourself to earn these rewards, uh, which obviously you need the hardware for and you need to like make sure and maintain this stuff. Um, whereas in proof of stake, you no longer have to. You can basically just delegate your stake to a validator and he then in turn is going to do all this work for you. Um, so that is really making uh, earning rewards and producing blocks accessible to pretty much everybody. And that is also a very uh, nice right. thing to have in this new protocol. Mm -hmm. And in this case, um, I think also it's important to note that because of the unique properties that the Nimic blockchain has, namely like browser nodes, for example, and super fast uh, trans, uh, transactions, then it is it is not a copy paste of another blockchain, right? Everything is made from scratch, except that we reuse or we utilize some libraries from the common blockchain space like Lippi2P. So we are building like our own stuff here. Oh yeah, this is, this is definitely an original blockchain uh, that is not a fork or anything like that. So we are building this basically from the ground up uh, using obviously some of the uh, best practices uh, to not reinvent the wheel uh, like everywhere um, but the protocol itself is an original protocol designed by ourselves okay and w where are we at right now um, how would you explain like the right now the um, yeah the progress towards 2.0 where are we mm -hmm. at Maybe you also uh, motivate just the previous point just a little bit. Sure. Uh, I think the also one of the reasons why we are actually pursuing our own implementation and not just reusing an existing one is that 
uh, one of the primary or the, one of the key objectives is that we have is to allow um, wallet apps and clients and users to directly <clears throat> interact with the network, right? So we want to have a protocol that you can, can that you can access without having an intermediary that allows you, uh, you know, access to the underlying network. <clears throat> like it is the case with, uh, you know, many uh, blockchains uh, that have a, you know, distributed and, and decentralized design underneath. Uh, it is still very difficult for for client apps to actually connect to the network directly and become like a you know a, a first class node of that of that network and uh, that is one of the uh, one of the motivations why we are why we are doing our own protocol in order to enable this particular aspect mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah right. something like maybe most or maybe all cryptocurrencies are decentralized all the way to the server mm -hmm. node we are decentralized all the way to the wallet yes yes mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty big uh, distinguishing aspect uh, that sets our protocol apart from others. Of right. course, others also care about light clients and, 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 and wallets, but I think we are really taking it uh, all the way here. Uh, also with the browser nodes, which are another example of this particular direction that we are pursuing there. Mm -hmm. yep. So, okay, that being said, where are we at uh, right now? Like, what are the main challenges right now that we are working on um, with Nimic 2.0? Okay, maybe let me uh, throw some in there and uh, then Basti can add some more. Uh, so, um, we have a, a full implementation of the of the protocol, mm. um, but we are still uh, making it more robust. That's basically kind of where we are. So everything is implemented, the, the chain runs, it works, you know, it, it can process transactions, our validators work. The, the network is also reasonably fast, uh, so uh, a lot faster, orders of magnitude faster than our original uh, implementation. Uh, and the main challenges that we face right now is making it uh, so robust and uh, so stable that it uh, will basically, no matter how uh, faulty or malicious certain network participants behave, the network and the protocol is always go is always able to continue producing a chain and uh, can can recover from pretty much any um, any state and any behavior that is sort of covered by our security assumption. Huh? So, um, uh, in in contrast to proof of work, right, where every miner is basically his own. Uh, you know his, his his own participant that can um, produce blocks and and uh, uh, process transactions just on his own. You know without having to interact with other parties on the network except to gather transactions. Uh, here in our proof of stake model, we have a lot more collaboration between the key entities that secure the network and that you know process transactions, namely the validators. And uh, therefore, it is uh, much harder to. Uh, get this right to a point where uh, when validators come and go, when validators behave faulty or maliciously, we can still continue with our protocol and continue producing blocks, even though this is a very uh, collaborative yet distributed process that we are going through here, right? So it's a, it's a whole different story than coming from the, the proof, of world, uh, proof of work world. 
Yeah, definitely. So currently, I would say the basically the the ongoing process that we are currently doing is have our uh, implementation run and perform, and then to basically find out when it breaks and why it breaks, and then to fix it and basically make it as stable as we can absolutely make it um, to withstand pretty much any scenario being thrown at it. And that usually involves digging through like lots and lots and lots of gigantic locks to try and figure out what is actually happening. And then also, obviously, that comes also with the idea of like improving tooling and these kinds of things to basically enable us to find these issues more quickly and then also ultimately to resolve them more quickly. Um, and there's also like being a lot of work being done in that regard to enable us to basically create these things quicker uh, than than before. And I think we are actually on a pretty pretty good way uh, to like achieving these things. And that is, yeah, I'm I'm fairly confident. And, and what are the biggest challenges so far? Like what things kept you at night more or gave you like a, the biggest headache? <laughs> but, <clears throat> but I think there are, there are uh, multiple challenges, right? So I think generally one sort of area that, that we are looking at is, of course, uh, is, of course, chain performance, right? That's... Um, Uh, you know, with coming from a chain that can do pretty much like, I don't know, 12 transactions per second with a block time of one minute, you know, things are nice and easy and slow and... Uh, you have a bunch you know, of time. Exactly. <laughs> you, have, you have a bunch of time for everything, you know, you're not in a rush, you know, a, a block a minute that's easy and, and, and chill. Uh, but now we are more talking about 10, 10 blocks per second, right? I mean, depending on what the load of the network is and that... Uh, definitely introduces new challenges uh, uh, such that you know we can make sure that nodes can actually you know keep up with that extremely fast moving chain uh, and even if they you know disconnect for a while uh, and miss some of the of the stuff that was happening on the chain that they can properly you know catch up to the state again um, also another uh, challenge that comes from this is by if we are uh, so fast then Um, our chain state can also grow pretty quickly, right? So uh, if, we, if we can process, uh, you know, thousands of transactions per second and we actually do that, then our database of stuff that has happened uh, basically grows, gro grows very quickly, much quicker than it, it used to grow, right? So that also comes with some additional challenges and um, uh, some issues that we, will, that we need to uh, address uh, there and that we need to solve there. I think that's basically sort of one area, but we are, I think, already doing. Uh, we are already on a pretty good, pretty good state of that regard. So performance is, is not top of the list right now. Um, I think uh, another challenge, something I uh, already hinted at earlier, or that we hinted already at earlier, is uh, the fact that um, block production or you know process, transaction processing is now. Um, moved from being a process that can run that can be run by one miner individually on his machine in his node uh, that is now a distributed process that involves communication with a lot of other entities and uh, it's um, it's basically a distributed computation and um, reasoning about this distributed computation if you know this is happening across I don't know 20 or, no, or more nodes and 
uh, a lot of computations happen in a very short time. Uh, that makes analyzing what is actually happening under the hood uh, more challenging. Also because there's so much data to sift through and that we need to post-process in a way such that we can uh, understand and, and reason about the the uh, the the the, pro the block production processes and why some things get stuck or don't work as quickly as we want them to be or behave you know the way that they behave under certain conditions so uh, that is definitely also another challenge that we are looking at here the distributed nature of the system combined with the extreme high throughput and the large amounts of data that uh, every run produces Uh, that's definitely also an, a, a lot different than you know, a block a minute and everybody does that on their own. Yeah, uh, the collaborative process sort of to produce uh, blocks also like introduces a wide variety of network messages that previously didn't exist, uh, which now need to first be delivered in time to specific nodes. And that also like creates some synchronization issues between those nodes. In particular, when uh, thinking about like 10 blocks a second, that is actually fairly low. Uh, and the network delay uh, is also adds to that. These, these things also need to be delivered in time. And uh, that definitely is also a little bit of a challenge. Um, so yeah, the, the, it does change the landscape of how this protocol works uh, quite drastically, I would say. And that obviously introduces some things to, uh, to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And in terms of Our, we're talking a little bit about browser nodes um, and like all the way decentralization kind of to the wallet and lowering the barrier for people to connect directly. Uh, what are the things or like is this, what are the differentiators in terms of like design uh, of our chain? For example, no smart contracts to make things simpler. Um, also the decentralized all the way, maybe uh, those things I, I, I think when it comes to design of the chain itself, uh, changes, right? So generally, we need to strike the right balance between um, performance and decentralization, right? Because uh, ultimately, um, at least in a sort of monolithic blockchain design where every node validates everything, uh, naturally, the, the more throughput uh, you have, the more transactions you are processing per time unit, the higher the load on each individual node, right? So... For example, we can see with, with Solana that, you know, they, they process a tremendously high uh, amount of transactions per second. But at the same time, they require very strong uh, machines, very strong, uh, very high computational resources in order to actually participate in the network, special hardware, um, insane amounts of RAM uh, mm -hmm. in actually in, in order to be able to run such a validator. So, um That um, naturally leads to, naturally leads to more centralization, just simply because uh, the barrier of entry to become a validator is much higher. You need to invest a lot more into hardware. You cannot just run this thing off your of your home computer, mm -hmm. pretty much, right? So uh, that's uh, one area where we are just trying to, you know strike the right balance here between having reasonable throughput but still having hardware requirements that are uh, low enough to allow ordinary users to also run nodes on the network. Um, then 
Uh, another aspect uh, uh, that that we need to take into account is that if we want to have very good, if we want to have uh, light clients that can directly access the network, we need to be able to provide them with a very succinct proof of what the current state of the network is, such that they can, you know, um, validate the the state of the network, their own balance transactions that have happened uh, themselves without having to rely on another gateway or another intermediary that that helps them with that. And also without knowing the entire chain, because they don't. <laughs> exactly, without knowing the entire chain or downloading the entire chain, mm -hmm. because that's, that's obviously infeasible for, for a light client, right? Um, and... Yeah, that also then comes with some implications uh, for the design. Uh, we need mechanisms to... Uh, to succinctly prove the, the chain state. Um, the fact that we don't have smart contracts, I think, is more of a was more of a conscious design decision that we uh, that we made very early on in the project, right? Because our focus was on, you know, doing payments and doing payments in a decentralized way uh, as easy as possible. And uh, this sort of uh, as easy as possible possible approach you know making this as simple you know um, having a uh, an approach that values simplicity uh, the smart contract direction general purpose blockchain uh, did not really fit well with that with that goal huh? um, so that's why uh, right now there are no general purpose uh, smart contracts uh, supported on the NIMIC blockchain at this time. Um, however, we, we also do have smart contracts on the chain, right? They are just hard-coded and not general purpose, cannot be developed by third parties. And I think in the future we are probably going to have um, a lot more of those hard-coded smart contracts uh, to... Um, uh, have more possibilities, more options of things that I can actually do with it, with the chain on chain. Uh, but at this point in time, there are no plans to ever turn them into a general purpose a blockchain like uh, Ethereum with, with programmable smart contracts, simply be because that is not the focus uh, that, that we have in mind when we want to do easy payments. Yeah, it makes more sense to maybe let them do that thing, let them do their thing and then be like interoperable in some way um, like HDLCs we have right now could help maybe some connection or some way in the future uh, but it's not our our focus and in terms of like next steps uh, talking just like 2.0 like what are the next like challenges what are you like now going back to work <laughs> like now after we finish this podcast you go back and you're like you have to face this bug this thing Like you want to have a like very concrete example for that? <laughs> okay. Uh, so currently, uh, for some reason, our the validator gets stuck producing a certain block type. Uh, not all the time, just like rarely, very rarely actually. Uh, but once is enough to stall the chain. So it's uh, absolute uh, needs needs absolute fixing, and that has to do something with the communication between validators that uh, at some point can turn into a faulty set of communication. 
Um, and that is what I'm currently dealing with and trying to fix. I, uh, it's, it's actually not that easy to find and it's actually quite, uh, quite time intense to like look through the logs and find these like specific bits of communication that I'm looking for um, to identify what actually goes wrong here. Um, but this is just like one example out of, out of some, uh, which basically always allude to the stability stuff um, to make the chain perform regardless of circumstances. And these are, uh, this is like the example that I'm working on today, but yesterday there was another one, uh, sort of similar to that. So, um, enough work for now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's, uh, uh, yeah, very, very good example. Basically validators going away, which then leads to some identifiers of validators changing. And then we cannot, uh, apparently communicate uh, with those validators anymore because their identity has changed and something goes wrong with the mapping there. there. Right. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, other issues that we are uh, looking at is, um, is some network related things. Uh, so for example, after we uh, restart validators, sometimes um, re-establishing uh, network connections to other uh, entities or other validators in the network uh, has issues uh, which then down the line uh, leads to certain requests not being uh, delivered correctly uh, which can then uh, prohibit uh, a node from actually syncing up with the network and then falling behind uh, and not being able to participate in block production anymore uh, so that's another thing that that we are looking at um, uh, but also, uh, uh, we are, um, as, as Basti mentioned earlier, also you know, improving the tooling, improving the, the, the workflows that we have in order to um, uh, uh, identify and resolve these issues. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that you know, a, a single run of the DevNet that has you know, 20 nodes and produces a million blocks that can easily produce gigabytes of data and uh, in order to efficiently assess uh, um, conditions that we see in the in the DevNet that we want to want to follow up on we are now um, setting up um, better tools to process uh, this data uh, not having to scroll through uh, uh, log files that are 100 megabytes large but to instead have nice visualizations visualizations of these uh, of these runs uh, so that we can basically at a glance sort of see what is going on and that this is also going to be uh, something that we will later on use uh, to actually monitor the live system and to identify uh, problems that we that we might that might occur in the in the live system so generally setting up better monitoring better tooling to uh, uh, gain better insights into what is happening in the in the network and the gigabytes of data is basically gigabytes of locked data only. So obviously a million blockchain uh, produces quite some data on its own already, like just in database size. Uh, but that is not what, what Philip was alluding here to. It's, it's the locked data that is actually quite large and very, very hard to dig through um, if you're looking for something very specific. Well, guys, really complex, but really interesting work as well. Uh, I know everybody is super excited about the realization of this work. So keep up the good work. And thanks a lot for joining us. Um, and well, yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Richie. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Take bye. care. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye.